welcome to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Will Lu. I am joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. The Raptors are officially out of the playoffs after uh, a, a tremendously lopsided second half. Um, in game six, the Raptors hung close, but uh, were overrun in the third quarter, never really had it in them to make a comeback. And uh, that does it for the Toronto Raptors this season. Alex, it's the morning after. How are you feeling? Yeah, you sound like Herbie Coon, man. Um, that does it, everyone. Thank you for coming. Drive safe. Uh, first of all, forgot to wear a hat today, but tip of the cap. Tip of the cap to the Philadelphia 76ers. As I said all week, if they came in and won game six, mm. you got to show them the respect. James Harden showed up. Joel Embiid showed up. Tyrese Maxey destroyed Doc, us. Doc Rivers beat Doc the Rivers, everybody. So tip of the cap. Tip of the cap. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on winning a first-round series. Um, you know? No, 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 no. No jokes. No sarcasm. You sure? Yeah. That's no, not congrats. what you were saying in the booth yesterday. Oh, okay. Well, Actually, you know what? What were you saying in the booth all <laughs> no, game yesterday? I wasn't saying anything in the booth. <laughs> Definitely nothing about hands. I was talking about Tyler Hansbro. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, well, no, I mean, f- first off, like, well played to the Sixers. Um, I think this is something where we always knew that if they had played to their potential, they could get by the Raptors. And if they didn't play to their potential, the Raptors had the chance to overcome them. And I think that's what a lot of the pessimism coming into the series on the Sixers side was about, was that the Sixers side had not really found their identity had not really come together. And quite frankly, even over the course of the series, as we've seen in game three, four, and five, like they weren't really playing up to their potential, right? But I think fundamentally, when you look at it, those top four guys on that team play so well together. Like we could put all the slander aside. If Tobias Harris is your fourth best scorer, that's pretty good. I would have loved one score on the Raptors yesterday. Someone to bust that zone, someone to step up there in the third quarter. But I get what you're saying. Listen, the Sixers blew the Raptors out in three games in this series. Okay, game one, game two, and game six. And yeah, yeah. full credit to them for coming out like they did yesterday. To be honest, I didn't expect them to, no. to have that kind of effort. No. And you know they they made the adjustments. They looked like the younger and more faster athletic team once again. The decision making was way sharper. I thought the Raptors just felt very unorganized. Yeah, throughout from the very beginning, and you know maybe some of the offensive stretches kept them in the game in the first half, but you never felt like they were I in mean, control of this game at all. No, nah, you felt very much like the Raptors were lucky to be in a half. I think it was sixty-two to sixty-one, down mm-hmm. one. Um, Chris Boucher had like nineteen and ten. By shouts half. to Chris Boucher, by the way. Man, shouts to Chris Boucher, man. man. Resign this man. Obviously heading into free agency. You know he's Canadian. You know he wants to be here. You know this is the organization that he's known um, for all of his professional career. Like, although I guess he was technically with the Warriors, but that, no, that doesn't that count, really count, man. man. It's Raptors it's, it's, culture. It's Raptors culture, and yeah. no, he he really showed up. He really, um, his hustle single handedly kind of like kept the Raptors afloat there. I think Gary also had a really hot start with his scoring, and Pascal in the second quarter there really came alive and was roasting them one on one. But look, ultimately. You know, as I wrote in 10 things, my last 10 things of the season, which I did right on time, by the way, you know? Yeah, no, I've been giving you a hard time. I don't know why, man. I'm just killing time. Oh, I'm, I'm so yeah. exhausted. I think I, I wrote, just want to take back all I'm of that. I'm pretty sure I wrote a thousand yeah. things this season. Every single time I've given you a hard time this season, I didn't mean it. Yeah. I should, it was I just a kill time. I might, yeah. I might have been close Stop to a thousand. counting things. how many things you wrote, man. Okay, Do a well, damn show. <laughs> in any case. Well, like, I have to yell at you on air. Yeah, no, there were not a hundred games, unfortunately, this season. So less than a thousand things. But yeah, so <laughs> as I wrote... In, in, in the recap, it's like yeah. you have on one side the Raptors like really, really struggling to contain James Harden and right. Joel Embiid over the course of the series. Like at, at certain points, you had James Harden much more manageable. Certain points, you saw Joel Embiid go from scoring 30 to going scoring like 25 and 
you know, with, with more turnovers and, and that was more manageable. Um, but the reason why you were struggling so much with that is because you always have to be really careful. How much help were you sending to James Harden? How much help were you sending to Joel Embiid? Because the other guys on that team are able to burn you. Like Danny Green had four threes in the second quarter alone. And that at halftime, the Raptors only had two threes total as a team. So Danny Green literally had twice as many threes as the Raptors' entire yeah, team. Yeah, no, no, more, no more live shows at the rec room. Unsubscribe. Yeah. Inside no, the green room. Uh, firmly unsubscribe at this point. Yeah. Um, and leave a one-star review, to be fair. <laughs> okay, okay. That seems a little... I feel like that that's the line for me. Yeah, no, no. That's, that's yeah. not the line for me. Okay. You, you know what I said in the booth. Um, Shouts to Harrison. Shouts to Harrison, but one-star. Um, you know, you couldn't send that much help to those guys because of the, the fear that Maxi mm-hmm. would get going, that Tobias Harris would get going, and... You know, we saw that in games one and two, how much those guys can hurt you. Um, And on the flip side, you look at the Sixers. So they played a zone for a large portion of the first half. Um, I know the Raptors stats, I think, against the zone in this series were, like, very positive. I think at one point they were, like, scoring 1.8 points per possession against the zone. That's that's tremendous, right? In another game, I think they were, like, 1.3. So it was, like, you know, they were having great success with the zone. However, as I have seen all season with this team, and I think a lot of observers have watched, like when teams go to the zone, it is very effective in disrupting what the Raptors want to do. Um, number one, they don't have a lot of shooting to beat the zone. Yesterday, they shot 7 of 35 from three. In the last three games of the series here, games four, five, and six, I think they shot 33 for 100. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I think it was under 30. I, let, I, I go back and check the stats there again, but... Pretty sure they shot under 30% from three in the entire series. I think they shot 25% from three in just the last um, three games alone. Obviously, last night, 7 of 30, 35. They can afford to play and, and, and shrink the floor against a guy like Pascal, who you saw the ultimate sign of respect from the other team is they just trap you at half court. Mm-hmm. They're just saying anyone else can beat us. We'll play four on three behind you. Anyone else can beat us. And... You know what? People might say, well, you know, Pascal didn't do enough in the second half. They're literally taking you out of the game. There's nothing you can really do unless you, you want him to shoot out of double teams from half court. He's got to give up the ball and the guys got to move the ball around. And the Raptors in that four on three scenario just couldn't score. Meanwhile, the Sixers could do whatever they wanted offensively. And ultimately, like, that's the difference in the series is like the, the amount of shooting, right? The Sixers, how many games in the series did they shoot 40% plus from three, right? And, um, you know, the amount of secondary scoring, not just like being able to hit the shot, but also being able to create a shot like Tyrese can, like Tobias can. And, on, you know, on the flip side, the Raptors lacking in that in that skill set, right? I think if we if we had to predict how the season was going to end for the Raptors, it would probably be that, you know, their lack of shooting was going to hurt them. And especially in the last game without Fred, I mean, who was there to hit a shot for them? And it was mostly Gary who, let's be real, Gary also got picked on defensively the entire night, like the Sixers game plan was to go at Gary. Yeah, that third quarter stretch, that end of the game, they were just going at Gary and, and Nick had to call a timeout and basically take him off the floor. Yeah. And, and you, if you take Gary off the floor, then who's making a shot for you, right? Yeah. And I think so much of the conversation we talked about, oh, you know, should Fred come back in this series, et cetera. Like last night, they could have really used him mm. um, just to get organized. And like you mentioned, but again, you know, it's a different conversation when it's a not healthy version of Fred. By the way, the Raptors are doing their player exit interviews today. Uh, but we will we'll cover that on Monday. We'll cover that on Monday. I think we have lots to talk about. Oh, and lots we're already starting to ration the content. Yeah, the, the off-season rationing is back. Mm. You know, Thad Young called the organiza- organization elite 
you know, Fred is eligible for an extension this summer, and he said he's always open to having conversations. Man, Fred talking like me. Um, and <laughs> uh, programming note too, kidding. because I know you know a lot of people. Uh, you know, hit you up, hit me up wanting to know after yesterday's game yeah. whether today was the last show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to pretend it's a season finale, and then we'll see you on Monday. Uh, so we'll be around for the rest of the playoffs. We're going back to 2 to 3 p.m., Monday to Friday, for the dedicated YouTubers and people watching on Sportsnet 360. So we'll be off YouTube and Sportsnet 360 during the second round of the playoffs, yes. so the next couple weeks. Yep. And then we'll be returning during the conference finals and NBA finals. But basically, we will be doing our show. You'll find us on the podcast feed. You'll find us on Fan 590 every day, Monday to Friday, 2 to 3 p.m. for the rest of the playoffs. Um, yeah. yeah. So back to back to game six. Um, yeah, so the Sixers won the second half 70 to 36. And per Chris Black of Sportsnet, that is the worst point differential and a half in Raptors playoff franchise history. That's almost hard to believe because I saw a lot of those Lebronto years. Oh, we all saw those. Yeah, I think I think Lebronto, Lebron might have just spread them out through four quarters, <laughs> just beat us by ten every quarter type. Yeah, fair enough. Know? But yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Anyways, we have some clips. So Nick Nurse uh, took to the podium after the game, and here were his thoughts on uh, how Game Six played out. Yeah, I mean, listen, they, they uh, congratulations to them. First of all, I thought um, they were certainly great in three of these games in this series. I mean, they were, they were really great. They, they shot it. They passed it um, really well in three of the games, and tonight was one of them. Um, obviously, we, we don't guard at all, you know, again, for the whole – in the second half, we can't stop them. Um, and that's, you know, we've, we've been – stringing up a lot of sub 30s and 25 quarters defensively and and uh we don't get any of them really tonight um and yeah i mean we weren't helping ourselves because we weren't shooting the ball well we were playing a lot in transition we knew that's what they talked about wanting to do we we talked about uh, making them play against our half court defense they got too many in in the transition as well and and just just about everything really yeah nick nurse summed it up you want to get out of here um, <laughs> I know you do. Off-season Alex has returned oh in my full goodness. form. Can't, can't even say this enough. Two minutes before <laughs> the show, this man shows up with breakfast in hand, eating a cream cheese bagel, being like, mm. it wasn't toasted. I'm upset. Yeah. Um, yeah, Will was just staring at me. I've, I've never seen Will judge me like that. But, you know. I was just wondering if you could eat that bagel in two minutes. I mean, we if you asked air. me to, I could have. But anyways, I'm going to ask you to eat 10 Big Macs. That's going to be our content. No, for, I avoided having to eat a hat, you know, silver linings, to be honest. Um, Damn. Would have loved to see a game seven tomorrow, though. But yeah, listen, we were talking about it in the booth last night, too. Like the defense was just not there. And I think it was yeah. very disappointing considering the effort that they put forth in the last three games, especially game five on the road. Well, I mean, look, I, I thought the Raptors had figured out a lot of things defensively. Mm-hmm. And this is where you got to give Doc a lot of credit and his players a lot of credit for responding to that. Right. Because. What we've seen from the Raptors in the last three games, in, in games uh, three, four, and five, was that they were able to lock in defensively, keep the game manageable, and actually compete, right? And um, because of that happened for three straight games, I thought that the Sixers might have been out of ideas because you don't really let that thing happen three times in a row before you really change something. However, credit to the Sixers because they were actually able to find some um, you know things to res- respond towards. I think there were some things that were like very, very much like, obvious in the sense that like you're gonna go attack the raptors weakest defenders right 
And in the starting lineup, it was uh, Ken Birch, who doesn't help off of Joel Embiid whatsoever, which means that coming off the screen from James Harden, James Harden's just going to get downhill with nobody rotating over and getting to the basket. That's exactly what we saw at the start of the game was James was like taking over. He was even dunking the ball and stuff, you know, like, like, okay. So that already answered it right there. James is getting downhill. When James is getting downhill like that, now he's able to then draw your defenders out of place and then start to spray passes out. And 15 assists. I thought he did such a good job of distributing the ball, but mostly it comes from driving the ball in the first place. Right. Um, and then I, I thought Nick responded quickly, limited Kemp to five minutes, brought in his more switchable groups. However, I think the Sixers have already really gone to a good rhythm at that point. Also, if you notice, like, so the part of the reason, as we explained, what I, I, I think with the thought process behind starting Kem was that, like, okay, even though he's not going to play a lot of minutes, if they're going to play through and beat at the start of the game, we have Kem out there, exhaust him a little bit, take a few bumps. There was not a lot of Embiid at the start of the game. There was a ton of James Harden, mm-hmm. right? Joel barely even touched the ball. He was mostly screening, maybe rolling a couple times and finishing. But for the most part, um, they were playing through James. Now, that was really smart because they also took Embiid and they changed up his sub pattern. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, they were using Embiid for very, very long stretches. Like sometimes he would play the entire first quarter or like the majority of it, the first 10, and then come out and then come back into the game like midway through the second. Like they each changed up his sub pattern to give him two breaks per qu- uh, half instead of just one. Kept him, I think, a little bit fresher. We've been talking about how exhausted he looked. I think two days off also really helped the Sixers um, in that sense because, you know, those are the older guys and they have a shorter rotation. Those guys really do need a little bit more time. Um, but, you know, they made a lot of good tactical adjustments on that front. Then it was attacking Gary when when when, when Kem was out. And, you know, quite frankly, though, it, it's not just on those guys. Like, it's also on the rest of the Raptors. Like, who would you say played out there that defended well? Yeah, right. I thought Scotty was was really skittish um, yep. on the defensive end. Yep. We talked about Gary already, and I think so much of this Raptors team is about being connected mm-hmm. uh, on the defensive end. And once you lose that connectivity, like you know, you're gonna give up 130 points. Yeah, I mean, it's also just like they weren't even executing switches. Like mm-hmm. you know, it was it was annoying to watch. Like, okay, so Embiid um, hit the bench early, as I mentioned, right, to, to change up his sub pattern. So Paul Reed came in. And this is in the first quarter where, you know, you have, I, th- I think, Scotty guarding Harden and I think Precious guarding Paul Reed, right? And it was coming off of a pick and roll there with Reed screening. 100% of the time, you switch that screen. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no question about it. There's no, like, oh, we're going to try to hedge. or No, no, we're just going to switch that screen because it doesn't matter if you have Precious guarding James or Scotty guarding James, but you need to switch. And if you even go back and watch the execution of that switch, Scotty was too slow. Couldn't get back to Reed in time. Reed was able to get a step. And James did a really good job of distributing, making early, quick, timely passes. Mm-hmm. Led Reed to the spot. And I think Reed got to the basket, finished in and one. I think uh, Chris Boucher came over to help, but, you know, he wasn't able to deter the shot. But the, the initial breakdown, like, that's a really simple thing that you need to nail all the time if you're going to play in a switching defense. And if you're not even going to ba- execute basic switches like that, then you're not going to be able to defend. And we've seen all season, if the Raptors don't come out with a really good defensive effort, if you see them come out and, and it's, a, it's like, oh, both teams are scoring 35, like the Raptors rarely win those games, especially against truly, truly good teams like the Sixers. So, you know, I wasn't surprised. That, in fact, I, if you go through my tweets, like I was fairly concerned throughout the entire course of the first half, even though the Raptors are keeping pace. It was just like, this is not a good thing because I think eventually, you know what the Raptors, they're going to hit a five-minute lull. Yeah, they're not they going to score. Yeah, they hit a few of those. No, no, you were te- you were saying that in the radio booth for the in the first quarter. I hate. Yeah, I, I, again, I just really hated watching all this play out in real time. Like it, mm-hmm. it was just like you could see it coming, and and I think that was probably the worst part about it. But you know, it is what it is. 
Oh, okay. That does it for us for today. Uh, thank you for listening to the Raptor Show. So Nick Nurse... No, I just mean like it's painful talking about this game. I don't yeah, know. you know what? The pain for me is less about the series yeah. and, and really less about last night's game. It's just like the end of the season just always sucks. You know? Yeah, like, it, like when you it's know just there's, abruptly over. Yeah, when there's, when there's no other game to look forward to, when you know the Raptors can't bounce back from yesterday's game. Because I'm sure we'll get into this later. And by the way, we've got Daniel Dale joining us uh, and Alvin Williams uh, in the second hour. The original plan was for Daniel Dale to share his experience of remembering the 2001 uh, Sixers-Raptors Game uh, game 7. Mm. And for us to talk about all of the Game 7s and also Alvin. Uh, not, not that we don't want to talk to them, but that was the original plan. Because, mm. you know, I was planning ahead for Game 7. Uh, lesson learned. Uh, never plan ahead. Take life day to day. I forgot my original point. Yes. So... Like, the season ending just is always just such a downer. Yeah. You know? Like, I think that's why uh, that's why I'm, like, disappointed today. Like, there's no more games to talk about. Yeah. There's no more, like, optimism to pour into. Well, I mean, that was the fun part. It was just, like, thinking all season about this team, what they mm-hmm. do. Like, for me, it was, like, you know, what they do tactically, what what progression certain players are showing, what rhythm and what lineups the Raptors are coming out with, what kind of counters they have. Like, that was so interesting to me, like, following this team specifically – because of like how uniformly they were constructed with all the positions being the, exactly the same, no having centers, and towards the end not even having guards, and you know, <laughs> no centers and no guards is hilarious. I mean, yesterday no, that's, that's, was just vibes. No, yesterday was just literally like, yo, let's crash the offensive glass, and and maybe you get a putback from Chris. Like that <laughs> yeah. was that was it, and, and and quite frankly, like you know, it it was really fun to to track that, really fun to watch it, and and. You know, in thinking about this abrupt ending, it's almost like the end of The Sopranos. You're like, oh, maybe they kind of oh, got away with it. Oh, he has watched a show. Okay. Yes, that's right. All right. You know, and when the like, screen just goes black? Basically, that's kind of how this By the way, the, the, the creator, David Chase, did confirm that, that Tony Soprano died in that scene. Oh, I yeah, thought you were yeah. going to say he you confirmed that he's a Sixer fan, and I was like... <laughs> no, that's M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> oh. Okay. M. Night's like, damn, team coming back from 3-0? That's a twist I can get into. Um, <laughs> anyways, no, I, I get what you mean, man. Yeah. I get what no, you but, mean. Uh, but it, no, it's jarring, I think, and it's hard to say goodbye in that fashion, but this is just kind of how, you know, this thing works, and I think that we got this extra week, this extra runway to see them compete and play at their potential in games, you know, four and five, and... It was really fun to go ahead and enjoy that. And I don't mm-hmm. regret any of the things that we said or anything, the, the ways that we felt about it, because you have to celebrate, you have to celebrate the literal victories in life. And games four and five were tremendous for that. And to give us hope and to give us reason to believe in this team is, is one of the things where you come out of the season. You're like, you had a, such a strong year, a lot of promising things going your way. And, you know, you have momentum building towards the future. If, if we just came out of that with a sweep, you would have felt totally differently as compared to the series ending in six. I still think that there are some regrets. Maybe you could have forced a game seven and a couple of things gone differently. But ultimately, you also have to acknowledge, man, the Sixers have some really good talent. Like, again, their top four is really, really solid. And I came, I came out of the series with a uh, improved respect for a guy like Tobias Harris. Um, Tyrese, I think, has really stepped in as a second-year player. And he looks so explosive. Like, when he's that quick, but he can also just run down the floor and shoot a 30-foot pull-up. He's unstoppable. Yeah. He's actually unstoppable. With he's that speed and the shooting. Either. Yeah. He's so good at finishing in the transition. I'm really, transition impressed. Into, I'm really like, impressed with how he can just like turn it up full speed. Yeah. And then just come full stop 30 feet out and just I like th- set, I, get set, set your feet and shoot a three. Yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah. But again, like you have to really respect that. And, and quite frankly, you got to show a lot of respect to Joel Embiid as well. I mean, look, listen, I know he played the villain role, was cupping his ears, was doing the not airplane. A villain, man. Respects to Joel Embiid, but not a villain. It's the first round. It's the first round. Congrats on winning the first round. Okay, so you're saying he's a Trey Young of Bigs? 
Oh, okay. I like Trey Young though, so I don't want to agree with that. How do you like Trey Young with this like draw and beat? Anyway, whatever. But in any case, um, you know, you got to respect him too, because for him to play through that thumb injury, to, for him to still shoot like yep. like incredible percentages, we saw yesterday. Yeah, he like got a couple of rolls to the basket, and the Raptors, you know, defensively broke down. But he was also hitting a ton of jumpers, and he started to over the course of the series really learn how to play against what the Raptors wanted to do. Um, defensively against them, and you could see him going really quick. You could see him spinning away from the double teams. The fact that he can shoot in that mid-range area and how tall he is, so hard to contest a shot. And defensively, you know, he showed exactly what he's capable of if you, you know, never called defensive three seconds and let him stand in the paint the whole game. No, but seriously, though, like, he, he's a really, really good rim protector, and we finally saw it here in game six. Obviously, game five, like, I was literally putting together compilations of how people were driving past him. You know, game six, he stopped everything, you know? So... Uh, good for the Sixers. Congrats to them. And honestly, again, congrats to Doc because I think he really pulled it out of the series. Like he had to make a lot of adjustments, and he did so. That's yeah, why. Yeah. That's why he earned his doctorate. Yeah, he, he had to answer a lot of questions about three ones. He's Doctor Rivers. <laughs> Tip of the cap to to Doc Rivers. Yeah. Um, I Doc's probably like I never want to lead in a playoff series again because <laughs> like the next time he's up three one and they lose a game, he's gonna get asked the same question. Yeah, and uh, it's gonna turn into a Sergi Baca Marquis Chris situation between Doc and a local media member. But you talked about the Raptors, uh, the way they played yesterday. So Nick Nurse also after the game was asked uh, about just lessons learned from this first round series from this playoff run. So here's what Nick said. Well, they should be able to take a lot from it. I think that um, uh, I spent the first halftime of the first game introducing them to physicality of the playoffs, right? Um, and uh, I thought we, on a lot of occasions, were the, were the more physical team in this series, right? I think uh, we weren't tonight, um, but a lot of times in the series we were, so we had some ups and downs with that, but I think we learned some of that as well. Um, and, you know, like, I think the biggest thing, Josh, is, is that, um, and you guys know I say this a lot too, is that you got to give yourself a chance by executing your defensive schemes, right? And the last three games we did that, and tonight we didn't, right? Like, like we got under, we to gotta understand that that, that that stuff has to get done to give ourselves the best chance to win. And for whatever reason tonight, we made a lot of mistakes in our schemes and we were scrambling a, a lot tonight. Yeah, that's exactly what you said about yeah. about the defense. Yeah, I'm and... the coaching staff, Nick. No, I'm, I'm saying, man, you and Nick should just do react pods together. That that should be the post game. That should replace the post game Zoom is my suggestion. You don't seem very excited about that. You wouldn't want to talk to Nick after every game. Like, hey, Nick, who's who's your Gerald Henderson award? It's like, hey, Mr. Nick, who would you give the three stars to? He's like a number one, uh, Nate Beardgren. Yeah, what a season. No, seriously, though. I I mean, uh, I know a lot of people are up on Nick as well, like not calling the timeout in the third quarter run. Like, yeah, probably. But honestly... They came out of some man. <laughs> what were you going to do yesterday, man? Oh, man. Okay, you lose hold, by, on, hold on. You lose by like 37 points. What are you going to do? One possession out of the third quarter, right? The Sixers were, I think they had taken the lead by like 10 at that point, right? Right. And they calls the timeout, comes out. Um, the, so the Sixers in the second half, the big adjustment was they were like, okay, zone is really good in the first half. They were really uh, uh, forced Pascal to play sideways rather than playing downhill, right? It's like, okay. But then towards the end, they started playing more one-on-one. Pascal started cooking them. And, and Doc and, and the coaching staff basically said, Yo, do they only have two threes at halftime? Are you serious? Let's just force Pascal. Let's trap Pascal like he's Steph Curry. You know how they guard Steph comes out across half court and two guys are on him, force him to give up the ball? That's what they're doing to, 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 to Pascal. And 
rightfully so, because the rest of the guys couldn't really do anything with it. First off, I think the Raptors did a poor job of just moving around, playing out of four-on-three scenarios. you got to give the Sixers credit. Their rotations are really good, too. But still, I mean, four-on-three scenario, I still expect you to capitalize most times, right? But they couldn't. So Nick called a timeout after going down 10, and it's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Pascal's going to have the ball. You're going to get trapped. We're going to have to get the ball out of the double team into the man in the middle. He's going to have to create something and, and, and get a good shot. So you know what they do? Come out of that timeout. Pascal has the ball. Sixers trap him at half court off of a Scotty screen. Scotty short rolls. Pascal throws the pass over the top to Scotty. Scotty's in the middle of the floor. And I couldn't believe what happened next. Scotty was like, oh, now that I'm open, let me throw a high low feed to Precious Achua in the post. <laughs> I remember that play. You were so mad. Precious Achua in the post. <laughs> that can't be our play coming out of the timeout, man. I, think I don't that, care what the advantage is. I think that's when you realize the game was done. Yes. Well, yeah. well, and, and, and by the way, like, I, I, you know, this is where a young team has to learn, right? Because mm-hmm. you look at a game like yesterday, I think a lot of people are like saying, Scotty had a great game. Look at him. I was like, Scotty did not have a great game. Are you kidding me? No. Like, like, can we be honest about these things? Like, they're leaving him wide open for an exact reason, and he gave you 18 points on 20 shots, 8 of 20 shooting, no free throws. Um, He got two threes, which is nice, but taking him seven threes is quite yeah, a bit yeah, there, for that, there, there for that was player. No, there was no impact in those And stats. there's the reason why yeah. they left him open, yeah. right? I really enjoyed watching him go drive at Joel Embiid and score a few times. That was really impressive. But the reason for that is Joel Embiid was guarding him in the sense that he was just leaving him wide open and going over to clog the paint. That's why Joel was able to stop the rest of the offense. And in the few moments where Scotty attacked, he couldn't really trust the jumper, couldn't really beat the defense in a consistent fashion, and that's largely why the Raptors ended up losing in this game. And that's not to say, you know what, Scotty is, is a bad player. No one would ever say that. It's just like for a young guy, you have to learn that. Because as I as I wrote after the game too, there will be like three, four years from now, he will be the one who is in Pascal's position where he's such a good player that they're going to be trapping to force him to give up the ball. But right now, the, the Sixers' game plan last night was to force him to have the ball. And he's got to take that as a sign of, a motivation as a sign of a recognition that he needs to get better too. Yeah. Because if if you're basically always left open or if you're always at least getting into play in four and three, I need more production than that. And I think the, the Raptors need more production than that. And that's where you start by getting these playoff experiences and learning what you have to do. Just the same way that Precious has to do that as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a couple more other things if you want to talk about them. Uh, MB did that, uh, his patented airplane celebration there in the fourth quarter yeah, yeah. and then on the next possession down pascal drove and accidentally elbowed him in the face was it an accident well they hugged it out after talked about it and you know everything seems cool between the two guys i'm not going to speculate if it was intentional or not you know really things happen on the floor yeah mm. yeah. yeah i mean look listen it was a basketball play yeah i like that like, it wasn't yeah. like he just, like, swiped down in his hand or something. Once again, first-round villains. I was thinking about this. I mean, like, Paul Pierce is probably the most famous first-round villain for the Raptors um, in Raptor lore. And, you know, he posted, he used to post, like, what, he was the king of the north. Like, you know, all of this stuff. Said the Raptors didn't have it. He doesn't even know how to use Photoshop, man. He yeah. doesn't even, he, forget, he doesn't know how to use Photoshop. Paul Pierce doesn't even know how to use photos. Yeah, and he also has, like, two phones with him all the time for some reason. Um, Anyways. Like, it hurt back then, but I feel like I don't really feel the pain of, like, Joel Embiid being a first-round villain. I don't know if it's because the Raptors recently won a championship or if it's because the Raptors already, like, destroyed the Sixers franchise once, um, like, during that championship run. Mm. It just doesn't hit the same for me. No, I mean, it's also, like, the expectations are totally different, man. The Sixers Mm -hmm. are trying to contend for a championship, and the Raptors 
had a really, really strong season that mm-hmm. put him in a position yeah. where yeah, that's a good point. That, that's because... really the main thing. Um, the other thing, Goran tweeted out a bunch of uh, crying, laughing emojis, and then he posted a photo of himself like winning some Euro championship. I personally don't care about this Goran versus Raptors fan thing, but, you know, I thought I'd throw it to you in case you wanted to say anything. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, am I going to be petty about this? I already was petty about this in the previously, so I don't really need to say too much. I just think it's funny that for a man with higher ambitions, the man won mine. <laughs> the man won minus one rings this year we'll just leave it at that <laughs> oh man all right that's enough for game six yeah when we come back i'm gonna do the longest shout out segment ever let's do it because look, there's lots finale. of love to show on the show man there is lots of love and that's another thing that we always do at the end of the season is is you know reflect mm-hmm. and and thank people yeah. you know we're just thankful people in general you know yeah exactly <laughs> we uh we are that. I don't know why it's so sarcastic, Larry. It's true, <laughs> Why though. does everything I say sound sarcastic? I'll work on that in the offseason. No, that's okay, man. Come yeah. back to exactly the way you were. You had See a career year. Just kidding. All right. That's a good spot for us to take a break. I'm your host, Walu. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on Sports FM 90 The Fan. I'm your host, Walu. I continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. During the break, Alex, you prompted me to ask you, what are you doing after the show? So, Alex, what are you doing after the show, man? You're just ask it naturally, man. We're adding this. You're not going to do a segment about, like, things we need to improve on this offseason. <laughs> me small talk, socializing? Small talk is at the top. Yeah, yeah, you always... You run into people at Sportsnet all this week, and at the end of every conversation, you're like, "Rap's gonna win for like no reason." Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, yeah, yeah, no, you're. I feel like I'm like a, a prop at this point. No, no, you're you're a great. Speaking of which, you're a great social Asian heritage. No, no, I uh, bought a ticket. I woke up this morning and I uh, bought a ticket to go watch uh, everything everywhere all at once after today's show. So. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't come. I want to. I need to be solo. We need some time off from each other. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say. I'm probably gonna I tell you which theater. I would have liked to come see it with you, man. No, 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 no. no. What do you mean, which theater? It's either gonna be Varsity here, or it's gonna be. You Anyways, know, uh, the one downtown. Uh, we're gonna do uh, Friday shoutouts as usual. Yes, but this is more of a end of season edition, a little bit expanded. Uh, apologies to anyone that we're gonna miss in this segment. It's honestly impossible to shout every single person out who's helped us, Absolutely. whether as a guest or behind the scenes. Just know that we really do appreciate everybody, whether you've been on the show for one segment or, you know, people that have just helped us out day to day. Um, so for everyone, you know, this includes the Raptor show, but also the Raptors reaction podcast. You know, just want to shout out, you know, kind of the core four of this Raptor show daily. You know, we've got Derek Brandeo, our producer behind the scenes and Jennifer Rolnick helping out with the YouTube stream, you know, the two of them, and then me and you, you know, that's that's the core four. Uh, but also we've had so many producers help us throughout the season, Lance Kennedy, uh, Josh Santos, Danielle Furtado, Dylan Brown, so many others. They've all been great. JR on the React pod, obviously. People behind the scenes, Ryan Fabro, Kyle Crabe, Maria, Greg Sansoni, Pat Flash, producer Rob helping us with the YouTube uh, live chat, live stream, you know. The chat is always very friendly and chill. So, you know, he's producer Rob's got the easiest job in the world. Um, shout out to all the guests this week as well. Louis Zatzman, Blake Murphy, and a shout out to Blake Murphy for just being here with us every Tuesday and will continue to be, hopefully. Uh, Vivek Jacob for dropping by this Wednesday and every Wednesday. 
to talk about soccer. Please stop talking about soccer. Uh, David Thorpe for just great combos. You're holding a soccer ball right now. Throughout the season. Matt Devlin, the director of Vibes. Yep. Uh, all year joining us this week. Chris Herring. Joseph Cacharo. Shouts to Cash and Joe Wolfon. You know, they're really busy doing their own show, Pound the Rock, but they've always been very generous about making time to come on your show. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Miller as well. And yeah, shout outs to... I wanted to give a shout out to, to just like... A lot of guests who I think have become part of like the Raptors show extended universe, right? Yes. Starting with Faisal Kamisa, our first ever global ambassador. Yeah. You know, I know there's been some ups and downs. I hear you he's know. still at uh, Jurassic Park. As we speak. <laughs> Come on. He's just holding a, a fat I can't head. believe Faisal said Raptors in seven. Damn. Um, I can't believe he's the only one who said Raptors yeah, in seven. Kind of, yo, scrub those first round predictions. Uh, mm-hmm. Danielle Michaud as well. Another one time global ambassador. It's always yeah. great to see Danielle. At the arena. Uh, the current global ambassador, Amy Audibert. Yep. Hopefully Amy gets some time off as well. You know, she obviously, you know, throughout the say, season, been traveling so much. What a rookie year from Amy Audibert. Yeah. No, rookie of the year. Yo, take that Scotty Barnes rookie of the year shirt. Let's make an Amy Audibert one. Yeah, okay, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, you, I'm you, not so you sure. You go ahead and leave the... Yeah, I know you have a lot of connections with a lot of artists, so go ahead. Anyways, uh, Michael Grange as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Grange, super helpful to us this season. Lots of scoops. Yep. James Herbert. You know, James Herbert was our was our secret weapon. I feel like anytime we needed a draft, well, we you know we called up James. Definitely, you know, our go to draft guy, the Dan yeah. Tozman of the show. Yes, but also like you know, we also had to, we we also had to uh, rehab his, his reputation a little oh, bit. Oh yes, at one yes, point yes, the yes. Season. The once canceled James Herbert. Yes, although yeah. he did he did redeem it himself by the way with the Scotty Barnes piece. He did, yeah, yeah. wonderful Scotty Barnes. Yes. Although he, he he did use everything everywhere all at once. Appropriated it, yeah. Uh, without having seen the movie. Yeah, and so he's that's, not Asian. That's a shame. You're not yeah. going to see it with him today? No, he's in New York. Okay. Um, Savannah Hamilton, yep. who dropped by the radio booth yesterday. Shouts to Savannah all with season. With a giant bag of cotton candy. Yeah. Never seen a media member eat cotton candy before. Yeah. Apparently, the vouchers don't even work on cotton candy. Yeah. Uh, Orin, that's the last we're going to talk with the vouchers. Orrin Weisfeld. The joke is dead. Um, who made a late run for guest of the year, to be honest. Uh, yep. <laughs> Uh, salute to Oren. We'll be hearing from him soon. Shouts to Oren. Uh, Lee Ban Osman, obviously. Yeah. Um, the director of uh, poutine. utensils. <laughs> no, the director um, of poutines. Man. Yeah, please learn how to use a chopstick. Um, Ennis Esmer, who came in, was Double so e. excited. Double E came in, and uh, Matt Devlin put on his Dikembe Matumbo jersey and swatted 17 nicknames mm. into the third row. Nice Bismack Biombo jersey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shouts to Gary Trent Sr. as well. Yeah, you know, I feel like the couple times yeah. that he came on the show was great, and we definitely will want to have him back on. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm, I'm shook just hearing that drop. Um, shout out to the Raptors PR team as well. Seriously, you know, you know, I think you know it, it was great for for us, and and really for you, Will, to to be able to sit down with a lot of the players this <laughs> season and really get to know them. And you know, I love hearing the feedback from listeners uh, about like even sitting down with say a Bobby Webster uh-huh. and really just like maybe opening up a different side to these people. Yeah. I really think that's the goal of this show. Like, not just for, you know, sitting down with players, you know, execs, coaches, whoever it might be, even guests as well, right? Like, I've had so many people tell me, like, oh, I never knew anything about Matt Devlin except listening to him on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. And, like, yo, he's so funny. Like, yeah. he's hilarious. Like, he just seems like a great guy on the show. Um, so, that you know, anyways, shout-outs to Takashi. I know we've been shouting out Takashi all year. Yep. Um, apologies, Takashi, that you couldn't come here to Toronto. But, you know, just come next year. Right. Is Yuta going to be here next year? I don't know. Tune in on our August 15th show um, to find out about that. 
Um, so on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> yo, we might have to say that every off season. Uh, okay, it's like coming up. Uh, Frieza will finally confront Vegeta. Um, uh, shouts to Ali Khan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, great energy. Shouts to the YouTube stream. Seriously, shouts it was, to the it was YouTube. Really stream. great to interact. Yeah, with that community. I know the the as any online chat has the uh, propensity to do it. Sometimes, uh, you know, goes off the rails, but ultimately there's a lot of people who are very engaging in there, and uh, it's it's fun to, like, have live feedback, I think. And uh, yes. I know for, for half know, the time see, when you're talking, I just like to look at the comments because yeah, I'm not sna- really listening. You snapped at a couple of fans. By the way, a lot of the YouTube uh, YouTubers always ask us, like, oh, how come you guys are always looking up at the upper right corner? Yeah, um, it's we've explained this many times. It's because there's a television feed of us, so we're just looking at ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Um, and... Um, yeah, did you have any shout-outs before I move on, continue with my shout-outs? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, to your point about Raptors PR, I got to say, like, the, the amount that they helped us this year is is truly incredible because just off the top of my head, the players that we had on the show this year, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, Fred Van Vliet twice, Utah Watanabe twice, Malachi Flynn, Justin Champagny, Serge Ibaka, Norman Powell, Jody Meeks, Chris Boucher, Thad Young, and then at the end of the season, we're supposed to talk to Nick, and they were like, well... You know, sorry, we can't make Nick available this week. Can you, would, would you settle for Bobby Webster? And I'm like, would I settle for Bobby Webster? Of course I want to talk to Bobby. So that's incredible, man. I mean, like for me personally, like just professionally, um, I think the hardest thing in this business is to like access the people who play and the people who make the decisions mm-hmm. and all that. And, um, you know, I, I had done interviews before, you know, I, I was at Serge's house. We took turns interviewing Serge at Serge's house. He was so confused. It's such a weird story because a week before that, you went to Serge's house and you interviewed Serge. Yes. With Keyshawn. Yes. And then a week later, you showed up. I showed up yeah. with Ahmed. And I think, honestly, Serge might have been like, mm, didn't I, is this deja vu? Like, why are you here again? Yahoo's here once again with, uh, oh, with the man. Asian community. But no, seriously. Um, you know, we had done big interviews before. We, we said, you know, I sat down with Nick Nurse before, and like, you know, I, I guess it's not not like that surprising. But to to be able to do this all the time, to be able to have this much access, I think it's it's a huge testament to Raptors PR helping us out. Yeah. On this front, they were super helpful. Um, let's be real. I think also joining the Sportsnet platform has really added a lot of like credibility. Sure. Even though we're still the same people. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you know, you know, I've had, you know, I've, a, you know, I've had a contentious history with Raptors PR, but tip of the cap. Yeah, that's tip right. Tip of the cap. And uh, ultimately, like, it was super helpful, and I think it was, it really worked out. It was such a challenge for me professionally to do all these interviews and do all the uh, research and everything like that, and sort of just like try to bring yeah. that side out of these people. And, no, and uh, I, I love hearing I, the I interviews. I hope that we were able to do that. Yeah, no, I loved hearing the interviews, and I love you getting the opportunity to to do a lot of that. You mm-hmm. know, when we started the show, I told you, you know, I'm here to support you in any way. And, and, you know, I truly, I truly do mean that. You know, when we walk through these doors into the studio, you know, just check our egos at the door. I don't know what I'm talking That's about, That's not even true at all, man. We yeah, sound yeah, very yeah. egotistical right now, including the next shout-out, which is to shout-out to all the listeners. Like, um, you know, you have in here that we joke all the time about the stands and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, genuinely every interaction, whether it's at the arena, whether it's, like, just walking the street or on the TTC or, you know, just being out and about in Toronto, like, you know, um, it, it happens, like, daily regularly and it's it's very awesome i think it really yeah. just says like two things number one uh the power of television yeah um i have like an unmistakable head so even if yeah. i want to hide it's very obvious who i am and also be like it's just like the raptors community is like so much bigger than what i had even originally imagined you know there's so many fans that mm-hmm. come up that are like i i wouldn't have thought that they were fans or like you know there's just like 
I don't know why. I, in my mind, it's just like I have an idea that is like a whole bunch of twenty-year-old Asian people mm. <laughs> like our show. Still in my mind, that's that's all but, I think uh, about. No, but it's really like everywhere across the city, and it's 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 really really cool that we can build this community. And and um, I know for a lot of people, they've been asking for a lot of more Raptors coverage. I think everyone was already quite happy with the Raptors coverage that was existing, but they wanted more of it, mm. and they wanted it on every platform. And that the chance that we got to do that this season. Um, was really special, man. And I don't think that uh, that opportunity comes along very often, so I want to be very thankful for that. And, you know, especially to the fans who ultimately make this possible. And uh, also, a shout-out to uh, my dad and my oh, brother, okay. who are currently in the car together, listening to us. Today, finally? On the drive, home from Montreal. So uh, have a safe drive. Oh, man, my Mr. Family. Lou. Yeah. Please have, um, you, know, a, a, you know, a healthy meal on the way home, not just uh, stopping for an on-route meal, but... Ultimately, just drive safe, and uh, I will see you guys uh, after the show today. Yeah, by the way, to Will's younger brother, I still do want to book you on the show um, during the offseason, okay, which, which starts today. So, Yeah, George, you should know that he calls you Seth Curry. Uh, George, uh, you rude. should check Seth Curry's stats. Um, <laughs> had a really great season this year is all I'm saying. No, I think with the fans, too, like yeah. even yesterday in the arena, like, you know, just, you know, someone randomly came up. He's like, yo, Alex, just bought cover stories, started reading it. Or when I was at Alouette, you know, there's this nice lady in front of me who was so kind. She was just like, yo, love, love, you know, your show with Will. And you're the reason why I'm here uh, to get the wedge salad. Like, it's just like those yeah. little interactions is just super cool. Like, it, it really is. It no, really it, is. It's, yeah. I think that's the whole idea is to like, to, to make the, the Raptors community like a tangible place. Yeah. Right. And I think that, I think in order to make that happen, you need to have the proper coverage and the proper yeah. access and, you know, the platform. But also like, you need to have that sort of like, uh, openness and that welcoming space and and i and i just hope to always provide that yeah like as much as possible genuinely yeah, like it's I, not, it's I, not really about... i'm just another fan like yeah I, i'm like living the ultimate fan experience yeah, as and, a raptor fan and i'm and i'm living so. the ultimate will lose stand experience um Damn. no i think and it's not about being like recognized or being popular like for real like like i've been next to will during these interactions he always feels so awkward i again i uh, have very few social them. skills no it's just really cool to be able to build a community to yeah. be honest like that, that's all that's all that matters and by the way to everybody listening uh we we do we mentioned this before we do have a live show coming on monday may 16th mm. and we'll finally you know whenever Keyshawn mystery finishes doing the poster for this event, uh, we'll be able to announce it. I love calling people out after asking them to do free work. Everybody on air. No, listen, it's a charity event. 100% the proceeds yes, it's, will it's go not, towards. It's not an official Raptor show event or a Sportsnet event. No, it's, it's, it's a, Alex, and Alex and Will trying to be good to the Asian community. Yes, event. Asian Heritage Month. It'll yes. be at a location downtown to be announced. Um, so hopefully, just tune in to the, keep listening to the show, to the podcast. We'll put out the ticket details because it's because it is going to be limited capacity. Mm. So it's not like everybody can show up. But we are. I want to reward people who listen to the podcast. So we'll put out the ticket sales information on this show first before we like put it out on social. That's right. So for people that listen to the show, like you can have first dibs. Um, you know, we'll set up a meet and greet. Uh, Twenty dollars for a photo with Will. Uh, $20 autograph. Uh, we will only collect uh, 90% of those proceeds personally. Um, no, I'm just kidding. 100% of proceeds is going to charity at the event. Um, and yes, and, and photos are free. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah, just hand me the, just hand me your phone. Um, yeah, so we'll still be around for the rest of the playoffs. Yes. And I think there's still going to be a lot of Raptors stuff to talk about. Like next yeah, week, of next week we'll start the early, you know, off-season conversations mm -hmm. and, you know, talk about the exit interviews because Nick and Masai are going to speak next week. Yep. And, you know, there's there's going to be still a lot of stuff trickling out, I think, with regards to the Raptors. Mm -hmm. Like we'll probably go through some of the players 
and talk about that and hopefully maybe still get some of them on. And then we'll also talk about uh, the playoffs as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying all this, like, just, you know, keep hanging out with us. You know, no, I mean, look, keep, we'll keep still us, be around. Keep us high on the charts. Here's the know? thing, like, um, yeah, number one, first off, keep us high on the charts. Yeah. Uh, like I if said you don't want to listen, just download it and then just press play Yeah, when you go to sleep. Yeah. That's honestly <laughs> what I do with a lot of podcasts. Yeah. It's, it's quite Just tell quite three soothing. friends to do that. Yeah. yeah. Everybody tell three friends challenge. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll definitely be here. I think the rest of the playoffs is going to be really interesting. I think for for me as like a, you know, like a, a, a real hoop head and everything. Yeah, like, like a like nerd. The, no, the playoffs are being great, man. Like I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, quite frankly, can we say this on air now? We can we can officially declare that you and I are joining Heat Culture for the next two weeks. Oh, yeah. Asian Heritage Month coming up soon. So shout outs to Eric Spolstra. So we're Heat Culture. Yeah, yeah, no, we're officially joining Heat Culture. It's not enough for us to it's succeed. Not, we need not, other people to fail. It's not only because I'm petty towards the Sixers. It's not only because Kyle's on that team. I also just genuinely appreciate the way they play team basketball. And I think going into that matchup, they have a ton of shooting against the Sixers team that yeah. can't use the same strategy that they used against Pascal. Like, imagine if you're trapping Pascal on a team that has, you know, Struess and Robinson and, and Hero and and all these other guys who can shoot the ball effectively or like a Jimmy Butler who can sort of make plays elsewhere like they wouldn't be able to use that strategy right so mm-hmm. I'm really curious to see, of course Kyle um so uh, you know yeah temporarily we're gonna be Heat culture so you'll be hearing from that and uh you know of course there's gonna be a free agency period for the Raptors to be honest I don't mention free agency being that eventful particularly uh, um you know I think a few years ago, you and I were doing Kawhi Watch, which was the first time we really did consistent videos together. Um, this was back in 2019. I don't think it hits quite the same to do Boucher Watch or Young Watch. Yeah, I don't mind that, though. Plus, plus, also, like, last year, there was a lot to because talk about. Because those are only key free yes, agents. Everyone yes. else is basically coming back. Yeah. Last year, there was a lot to talk about with the draft, too, because the Raptors had the number four pick. And this year, they traded away their first rounder. They'll be drafting in the second round. Yeah. So there's going to be less... Less content there as well. But no, we'll be around. Yeah, the well, Miami... You're not going to call Scotty, the next Scotty Barnes an oh, never again. press I reporter? I don't want to have to apologize. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, the Heat the Heat Sixers will be interesting. Yeah, Miami's like a Super Saiyan version of the Toronto Raptors, you know? So it'll be interesting. They're the see. Raptors if the Raptors had shooters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're the Super Saiyan version. Um, just going to read this Magic Johnson quote because this is just how I'm going to feel. Uh, his tweet from last night, he said... Everybody get ready. We have awesome games in both the East and the West. I'm looking forward to watching the Eastern Conference matchups because both series are going to be awesome. Philly versus Miami and Boston versus Milwaukee. This is like a PSA. I think he's just trying to let you know which teams are in the playoffs. <laughs> I think I'm going to start every show in the offseason just reading that for the next two weeks. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it, you know, yeah. um, considering you you will do anything to burn 30 seconds. And uh, as the, uh, as the uh, sports media, David Blaine, I will be disappearing um, you know, I won't be on Monday to Friday. Yeah, you. I was going to say, really, I mean, all the shout outs aside, like shout out to you, Alex, because I know no, like no, all the all jokes good, about how you only work three days of the week, which is true. Like, it's not a joke, but like, you know, when we, when we had to, when we stepped up the show in, in anticipation of the playoffs and obviously throughout the playoffs, like, you know, you stepping up to do the two hours, like you lay out all the topics, you know, you, you, you put in all the clips and you do all the research and just once in a while I'll come in and be like, mm, let's just do something entirely different. Mm-hmm. And you're like, fine, we'll do it. But no, seriously though, for in your position, um, you know, I think there's no way this show could ever be as good as it is right now without your contributions to it. I think there's obviously the vibe that we collectively set, but it's also just like the levity and, and like the perspective you bring. Cause like, you know, for me, I still, 
I'm in my 20s and you know I'm yeah, emotionally enjoy, very enjoy invested the last, in all these enjoy games. Enjoy the last uh, eight months of that. All right, I will actually. Thank you. Yeah. But um, <laughs> that sounded really upsetting. No, you for sound- you as an old head, like you really come in and bring that perspective. Like you know, you're 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 the Thad Young of this team. So That's right. I, I got to shout you out. I think it's a career year for you. I know. Um, you know, for 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 all of us, like. Um, we we really appreciate what you do, man. So no, on behalf of the Raptor Show community, thank you, Alex. Yeah, appreciate it. appreciate yeah. everybody, man. It's good times. Um, don't know how to take compliments. Okay. Because I also don't know how to be humble. Um, <laughs> no, that's also true, though. <laughs> yeah, everything you said to me, I'm like, yeah, I know. I make this show great. Um, you make this look good. Oh, man. Um, yeah, what else, man? 90 seconds. <laughs> right after you complimented me, I'm like, yo, I'm freaking out. <laughs> Kill time right now. Hurry up. Well, I mean, you know, salute to Derek as well. 29 now? Yeah. 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 Did we shout out Derek earlier? We yeah, did, yeah, right? Man. Of course we did. We shouted them core four. You weren't even paying attention. No, I wasn't. I was texting you know? my I was texting my family who were driving and they're like, hey, we're listening to <laughs> you in the car. I'm like, oh. like, I have a family. <laughs> yeah, no. That's, this is my work family. Oh, you know? man. Should you, we, Derek, and yeah. Jennifer. That's once, it. once again, man, we should do a show entirely in Mandarin and Cantonese. The Omni 2 special. Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't know if I'd be able to talk about basketball. Yeah, actually, Cantonese. you know, we're going to go to break very soon, trust yeah, me. And yeah. we're going to talk about basketball. Yeah, Daniel this. Dale coming up, um, Alvin Williams. One time, uh, a Tencent reporter. <laughs> I know exactly who, uh, by the way. Renjin Bao. <laughs> yep. He, he, he messaged me because we met each other during the 2019 playoffs. And he's like, hey, you're, you know, you're Chinese. And he was like, yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like you know, like, do you want to come on my podcast? And I was like, oh. He's like, yeah, it, it's in Chinese. And I was like, yeah. um, you know, like, how do I say this? Like, you know, I came to Canada when I was seven. And so I speak Chinese like a seven-year-old, <laughs> maybe like a 10-year-old at most. Um, so I'm not totally comfortable. Like, I don't even know what a rebound specifically yeah, is in Chinese. Yeah, I can't, I can't talk about And uh, he's like, no, 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 it's okay. We can translate for you. And I'm like, you want me to come on the show and, and, yeah. and speak essentially Chinglish? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, no, it's okay, man. I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be able to live this down. But, All right, we definitely got to do try to do two minutes or something like that. But also, Renjun's canceled because he voted Evan Mobley over Scotty Barnes. <laughs> I checked. So we're just canceling people based on their rookie yeah, of the year. Derek votes. is desperately waving us to go to break. So oh, we will oh, do yeah, that. Yeah. I'm your host, Will Lou. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. When we come back, actual basketball talk. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on Sports 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Walu. I can be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong in the second hour. And we are joined by CNN's Daniel Dale. Daniel, how you doing? Oh, Daniel's oh. not connected yet. We're um, going to get him on the line. You know, Will's slipping up already. Thanks for the offseason. Well, you know. Yeah. Look, honestly, the Raptors getting bounced from the playoffs has me a little shook. Really? You I'm, seem in pretty good spirits today. No, okay, right. I am. I'm, I'm putting on a good act. Oh, okay. but ultimately, I'm like, what am I gonna do with my time? What do you mean, man? I have I have evenings free again. I already said we're gonna go to the Jays game next Wednesday. Okay, you're gonna come to the driving range with me. Okay, and Joseph Cacharo, Mark Savell, real tour of the century, and Ben Ben Ekbeki. Like we're how, gonna have so a whole I, golf crew. Are you guys gonna dress like golfers too? Hell no, man. Look at like I'm gonna dress how I dress. Yeah. You're gonna wear the Arctrix again? <laughs> no, it's getting a little too hot for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, no, like you don't have to go to the SVP and buy a 1999 like Puma no, Polo. I, I, I just don't know. Like I, I just, I don't want to like fit out. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you don't want to be Kevin Love? Yeah, no, man. Like, no, man. Just okay. Just, all right. Just so, wear, so just people wear, wear sweaters to, to yes. Golf just wear the three hoodies that I've secured for you for free. Okay, I will uh, do that. Yeah. This season, but yeah, no, I was gonna, 
I was thinking about this. So the last five seasons for the Raptors, mm-hmm. the, the way those seasons have ended, have been like pretty wild. So I'm starting in 2018. Yep. That was the second round sweep to the LeBron and the Cavs, which brought about the Kawhi trade, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Following year, obviously, championship. 2020 gets stopped. Uh, the season gets stopped by the pandemic. Yep. When the Raptors were having one of the, honestly, le- not talked about enough defending champion seasons. Yeah. Um, especially without Kawhi. 15-game yeah. win streak, one of the best teams in the league, et cetera, et cetera. So that gets stopped. So the 2020 season ends in the bubble mm-hmm. to the Boston Celtics. Last year was Tampa. Yep. And then this year, like, the Raptors went through a lot of stuff, too. Like, uh, oh, yeah. Comparative to, like, the other 29 teams. Playing in empty arena, all of that. And they have to do the draft process all in Tampa. Yeah. So, you know, like, the, the, the draft process for people to know, like, the front office obviously brings you know, players in, introduces themselves to a lot of them and, and, and you know, gets the chance to sort of, like, take them out for dinner and, and meet everybody. It's not just, like, you meet the guys on your team. You meet everybody that's basically incoming. And, you know, a lot of that is, like, not it's like a free agency pitch, but you want to leave a good impression on them, right? And to have to do all that in Tampa <laughs> instead of Toronto, where, like, they're ultimately going to play or if they eventually become, um, you know, somebody in this league and they stick around either as an opposing player coming to Toronto or becoming a Raptor themselves. Like, you know, you want to be able to make that impression. They, they have to do all that in Tampa, man. Like Scotty Barnes first impression of the Raptors was going into like the virtual Toronto experience room. Imagine that you, you walk in and what do you get, man? Like, yeah. They're like, man, he's after they drafted him. They're like, man, he's hitting free agency in seven years. We got to call out Drake Cardinal, like show him bridal path. Like we need to start like, you know, the free agency process and pitch right away. After what Kawhi did to us. Uh, the virtual Toronto experience should really just be waiting at St. George <laughs> at 1230 a.m. <laughs> With Orrin Weisfeld. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, man. But, like, yeah, just thinking about the the journey that this franchise has gone on, like, the ups and downs of the last five years. Yeah. It's been, like, ridiculous. And, like, even mm-hmm, thinking about, mm-hmm. like, this is the third season now that's been affected by the pandemic, which is pretty wild to think about as well. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think... Maybe the Raptors, perhaps even more so than other ones, just because they were the only international team. But um, I I think in many ways, though, like it it brought the team closer together in a sense, Um, especially in that Tampa thing. Like, where are you really going to go, man? You're probably just going to spend time with your boys like on Mm. on the team. Like, what are you really like? You know, the stories come out of Tampa, which, by the way, there should be like I would read like an entire like. I guess a hundred page book, like a mini book. Yeah, there was no reporters there to document like a a long magazine, I guess, about um the Raptors time in Tampa because you had stories like, Oh, um, eventually Pascal and, and Nick Nurse found houses like next to each other. So like they would go out into their, their backyards and they would see each other and they would also see alligators. And in fact, they might've seen the same alligator, you know? And it's like, okay, I want to know all these little stories. I want to know all the little stories of like Fred Van Vliet being like, man, I missed the DVP. You know, I missed the gardener, which by the way, I, I, now I was thinking about it because Maybe it's because I'm always coming from the west side of the city. The Gardner is not altogether that pleasant to drive. Mm. But, like, if you are coming from, like, the richer parts of Toronto and you're driving down, like, Bayview and then you get onto the DVP at night and you get onto the Gardner from the east side, it is kind of nice to get from the... Yeah, especially when you're driving 40 miles an hour. You can really just enjoy it. Yeah, yeah you, see the, really you, see the, you see the bridge that's Bloor and then the, the, subway, the subway that goes underneath. It's kind of nice. Yeah, you get kind of sick of it after once. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, so once. we've got uh, CNN's Daniel Dale and, uh, you know, obviously huge Raptors fan uh, on the line with us now. Uh, Daniel, how are you? I'm good, Alex. How are you? Good. By the way, you're responsible for one of our one-star reviews. Uh, last time you came on, someone didn't even listen to the episode and just said, uh, the Raptor show has gone political, so appreciate it. 
Any anytime, anytime I can I can bring you guys down. I'm happy to do so. Oh man, listen. Um, obviously, you know, I was hoping today we were going to talk about Game Seven between the Raptors and the Sixers and go down memory lane to remember 2001 Raptors Sixers and 2019. But we have to pivot and talk about and reflect on this 2021-2022 season. And I thought we would do a quick roundtable. I can host this. Um, and, and you, Daniel, and, and Will, I'm going to ask the two of you five questions just to kind of get your thoughts on things. So uh, let's start with you, Daniel. Um, when you look back at just this Raptors Sixers series, what's your biggest takeaway um, on the Raptors side? Biggest takeaway... Uh... I would say lack of shooting. I think mm. we, we love the weirdo roster. Uh, we loved so-called vision six, nine as, as the Twitter sphere likes to call it. Um, you know, we love Scotty. We love the potential, but there, there's just a glaring hole on this roster and, and, you know, you can, you can funk it up and you can, you can have everyone be large and the same height, but uh, if you can't make three in the, in the modern league, you're not going to win. Yeah, that was a good one. I was going to say that as well because um, so the Raptors ended up shooting 29.9% for the six games from three. Um, you know, the only teams below those were the Pelicans at 26%, the Suns, surprisingly, at 27%, and uh, the Utah Jazz at 29.8%. Uh, Obviously, those, you know, the Bulls were also right there as well at 28%. So, like, you know, it, it's uh, not good. Uh, they also made less than ten per game, and um, yeah, know, haven't redeemed free McDonald's fries in like a week. Yeah, I know this. Yeah. That's that's. I'm so sorry for your loss, Alex. <laughs> and also, the Raptors got bounced to the playoffs. But also, the last three games of uh, the series, which the Raptors did win two, to be fair. But last three games of the series, the Raptors shot twenty three for a hundred. Oh man, from three. So you definitely need more shooting. Um, in the NBA. And, and look, listen, I, I think the all six, nine thing is really, really cute. It's really fun. But it also reminds me a little bit of like, you know, when I was growing up and our family didn't have all that much. And my parents would just be like, oh, like, you know, um, well, you know, we might not have this, but you have this other thing that's just exactly <laughs> like this. It's it's just fine. You know, it might not be Nike, but, it, you know, it, it has like. Yeah, it might not be Coca-Cola, but we got the PC cola. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I think, you know, you, 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 you're you totally fine with going through life and all that stuff. I think it, it's it's all cool. But realistically, um, you know, you, at the highest level is when you're really looking at a team like the Sixers who, I mean, I, I started growing envious. I was like, damn, look, they have Danny Green? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. what am I doing? Totally. I'm, I'm envious that they have Danny Green. But that's true, though. Danny had four threes in the first half, and the Raptors only had two as a team. So... Shooting has to improve. I agree with you, Daniel. But I think the other part is to be more positive about it. I think Pascal addressed a lot of the allegations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you come mm-hmm. through and, and you know, obviously the bubble was something that was so heavily imprinted into people's minds of like, wow, you know, I can't believe how much he struggled in that series. It somehow overshadowed what he did over the course of the championship, which to me feels unbalanced. But okay, fine. I understand for a lot of people that had a sour taste in their mouths based on the, 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 the bubble. To see him come through in this series... Uh, what he did, uh, obviously, in games four and five to push them through and, and on the brink of elimination. And even yesterday, I thought he played amazing in his role. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, like, eventually the Sixers will hard trap you, and there's nothing you can do about that. Like, it, you, you just can't expect him to shoot over double teams or anything like that. Him moving the ball around, the rest of the guys couldn't really make shots. Like, I still thought he played his role really, really well. So, um, what do you have, like, 24-7-7? and seven? So, I, I'm really happy for Pascal. What he averaged in the regular season is what he ultimately averaged in the playoffs in terms of efficiency, in terms of play creation. And, like, 
Daniel, I, I'm sure, like, seeing his journey and sort of everything that he's gone through, like, you have to also be really happy for him as a person to be able to come through this difficult period and, you know, deliver. I'm I'm so happy for him, and I'm so happy we got these last three games like they didn't get swept. I mean, if for nothing else, then the discourse about Pascal after game three was so bad, like it often is, um, you know, just 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 slandering him. And I think he proved with these last three games that he's taken a major leap uh, from where he was even even a couple of years ago, even even where he was being a key player on a on a championship team. Um, I remember having a conversation early like maybe a month, month and a half into this year with a friend where we're like, has Pascal just plateaued forever? I mean, we knew he was coming off injury and so on. But like, it really seemed like, you know, there was that period where it's like, is Pascal impeding Scotty's development? Uh, you know, is the team worse? I, I never thought he was worse. The team was worse, worse with Pascal, but like they weren't playing very well. And I think he, he showed that he's still on an upward trajectory. You know, he, he has not come close to hitting his plateau. He's still adding stuff to his game. And it reminded me a bit of, of what we saw from DeMar uh, late in his draft year's tenure. Like, for all DeMar's flaws, you know, he went from someone who would just, like, pure, you know, bucket getter to someone who was making plays, creating for others. And I think we saw that kind of playmaking leap from Pascal as well this year. Yeah. Uh, second question for you guys. Uh, you know, after this first-round series, does Joel Embiid belong on the list of all-time Raptors playoff villains. Uh, Daniel, I'll start with you. Absolutely. I mean, even uh, even Paul Pierce was not this gleefully obnoxious. Like for all the hate we uh, we dumped on Paul Pierce. Uh, like what what did he even really do? Like he did he like held up uh, he held up like a, a be quiet kind of finger to his lips at one point. Like he 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 made some like mildly sarcastic jabs through the press you know he wasn't he wasn't bringing back like callback trolls you know from from uh, years prior like the like the airplane um he wasn't getting into it with the crowd in, in quite this way so yeah joel Embiid, you know his twitter name is joel troel Embiid. he's a gleeful troll and yeah he he's a troll so absolutely yeah i guess i'd have to agree too um Mostly because I think what in the case of Paul Pierce, like, you know, like he was at a later stage of his career. He wasn't even the main guy on that Wizards team, like, or the main guy on that Nets team. Like, you know, he was just kind of like actively trolling. I never really thought that the Raptors got to him in a way. I think what was fun about the Joel experience was that you could see when the Raptors bothered him. So it wasn't yeah. just like a one-way experience of like, oh, he was antagonized the Raptors. Of course he did that, right? You know, he was, you know, you know, again celebrating as anyone would after hitting a game winner in game three like that and of course like in game six you know the airplane all that stuff but the Raptors also handed it back to him and you saw the frustration on his face and you saw that and that to me was like really satisfying to watch to make what is an objectively a really great player to feel some of that heat to feel some of that frustration was was awesome and and for him he he really did keep that same energy you know it was great like you know when he lost he was angry and losing and when he won he was you know, gleeful in, in, in our in our demise. And uh, quite frankly, he was the main engineer of that demise. So, uh, you know, you have to give him some credit there. Uh, and quite frankly, the, the, the crowd really enjoyed booing him. And when Pascal elbowed him in the head in uh, on, a, on a basketball move, <laughs> accidentally, way, yeah. a basketball move, right? He just led through with the elbow, just like, you know, Joel accidentally stepped on Scotty's foot. And it's like, you know what? People cheered it and you move on. But it's also like that's what ultimately is is really good about sports is when you can add this level of heat, this level of antagonism to everything. It really makes it really compelling and really uh, good to watch. So honestly, even just from a content perspective, uh, you know, good for Joel. You know, there, there are not that many Raptors 
playoff villains just because like they haven't spent that much time in the playoffs. Like those Knicks teams, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess like no one really hated Latrell Sprewell. Um, the Cavs teams, I mean, like LeBron, but he's, he's LeBron, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we just hate him because he's amazing. So we haven't had that many like actual foils. So yeah, he's up there. And plus to the point with LeBron, right? Like the difference was, okay, Raptors win two games back in 2016. The series is tied 2-2. And what does LeBron say? I've been in a lot of adverse situations. This isn't one of them. And I'm like, damn. So even after we even the series, like I don't see no sweat on your brow, nothing. Like he's just going to come back and beat you and close you out, which is exactly what happened. Like with Joel, I saw I saw him pressed, right? And that that kind of made it more fun for me. Like I, I felt like a, a bit of hope that like we could really do this. Yeah, I would yeah. I would I would disagree with the two of you just because I would still put Paul Pierce and then LeBron ahead of Joel. Because, no, I, I put LeBron ahead of Joel, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, yeah. But he's on the Pantheon, I think but, now. Not because, top three, I would say. Because like we never had a response for Paul Pierce. We never had a response for LeBron. Whereas this rivalry with the Sixers and MB, like we already had the upper hand coming in from the championship and, season. And by the way, we still do, to be clear. We still do. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We still mm-hmm, do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but mm-hmm. listen, like that that game three performance from him. You know, hitting that game-winning three. Yeah, that changed the whole series. Man. Yeah, and 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 what he did last night as well in the, in the clinching game. You definitely do have to, uh, unfortunately, hand it to him. Uh, next question, number three. You know, I think Scotty Barnes is obviously everybody's number one reason for optimism moving forward about the Raptors. Uh, what would be your next reason for optimism about this core group, uh, Daniel? Um. Well, we we covered Pascal's continued improvement. I mean, I think I would say precious. Uh, which which is crazy because I I went I live in D.C. and I went to a Raps Wizards game early in the year, where I I said to my partner like we just need to survive these precious minutes like we oh. need to get Ken Birch we need to get Ken Birch back on the court as soon as possible he was you know that, there was a period where he he shot a combined I don't know what it was it was like five for you know twenty five or something over the course of three games he could not make a layup he seemed lost defensively um, and now it's like do we have like a potential future all-star. I'm not talking next year, but like could Precious with the combination of defense and offensive improvement be like a, a fantastic big, not just like a kind of change of pace guy. Um, so that, that I think he, you know, if he can get to where it seems like maybe, maybe, maybe there's like a, you know, 30 to 50% chance he can get there. I think that would ra- really raise the, the ceiling of this group. Yeah, I agree. Precious is definitely the right answer. Um, obviously, Pascal and Scotty are, are also positives to sort of take away from the series. I'm going to go a little off the board, and I will say that I saw a lot of, like, I don't know, characteristically positive moments from from Gary Trent. And what I mean by that is, like, he wasn't scared to play his role when the pressure got on him, too. You know, like, when the Raptors were facing elimination, Gary obviously had some really nice games. I thought yesterday, you know, you got hunted defensively. There's things for him to improve on that front. Luckily, we've seen him take a step forward defensively this year, but it's got to take a couple more steps forward. But to me, what I saw was a guy who was willing to take the shots, wasn't afraid at all, wasn't afraid to go at these guys. And, and, you know, he drove a lot against Joel, didn't really score a lot, but he was willing to take it. And for him, it's like that's the mentality you absolutely have to have as a score. Like last thing you want to see from a score is to, to be afraid to take the shot. And Gary's never afraid to do that. And I respect him a lot for it. Like, I think there's still lots of improvements for him to make, but he's a 23-year-old. There's a lot of runway for him to get better. You know, having done so many interviews with Gary Trent Sr., I know his dad's going to be on him mm-hmm. to keep getting better. And, um, no, I want to see him grow in the system because I think he brings what the Raptors need, which is guard play, um, consistent three-point shooting, and that that little extra ability of, like, who can get hot for, like, 10 minutes here and really kind of propel us. And I don't think we saw enough out of Gary this series. Obviously, he was being sick, didn't really help whatsoever. But 
you know, I'm 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 feeling pretty positive about him overall. Of course, there are like real weaknesses he's got to address, but I, I trust that he can do that because if you can get those weaknesses down, you have the makings of a you know very very useful player who is not shy of the moment in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, for me, I don't know if this is a cop-out answer, but I think the reason for optimism for me is just looking at what Masai and Bobby continue to do um, and just the infrastructure of this team. You look at nailing the Scotty Barnes pick. Um, like, you know, I don't I don't want to do any comparisons of like, oh, what what if we took like Jalen Suggs? But like if, if they took another player that didn't have the potential of Scotty, like we're having a very different conversation right now uh, about the future uh, of this team. And then you look at... You know, Daniel, you mentioned like kind of the Vision 6-9 and all of that. Like, you know, I, I think while it's not perfect and I agree with you on that, you know, like they, I love that they're willing to kind of bet on, you know, things that they believe in. Um, and I think they have the perfect head coach to do that too in Nick Nurse. Um, so for me, kind of moving forward, I think that would be my main uh, reason of optimism. Uh, number four, so um, the players did exit interviews today and and Fred said, quote, uh, it's time now. This is as much building as we want to do. Basically saying that, you know, it's, it, this team is as, as currently constructed, maybe with a few changes, is, is now ready to win. Like, like there's no more development rebuilding. Like, they got to start taking these next steps. Um, I guess the question for both of you is uh, agree or, or disagree with Fred. Uh, I'll start with you, Daniel. I, I think I would say disagree. I mean, I, I look out uh, at the landscape and there, there's no team, especially in the East that you're like, Oh, that team is going to absolutely crush the Raptors. Like Miami is the one seed. The Raptors hung really tough with Miami and like really hard fought games that Miami was not taking lightly this year. You know, the Raptors beat Boston. I know it's regular season. The Raptors show that they could at least sort of hang with Philly. I mean, it's not like there's like a, a juggernaut dynasty out there, but I, I just don't think that, that, this team yet is like at that level where you're like, okay, this is a serious contender. Now I don't know, like, you know, they're, they're a bit constrained cap wise and a lot of it does have to be internal improvement, but I, I got to think like to get to that next level, it can't just be Scotty and precious and, and others, you know, taking an internal jump. Like I think there have to be a couple real pieces added to the, the building project to really get there. Yeah. I agree with that because I think all season kind of harped on the idea, like the Raptors need a third guard. They need a third guard, right? And I know, like, want to do the six nine thing, but it's like, you know, you need guards to play basketball. I don't, I, I don't. I, this, how is that even a controversial statement? It sounds so simple, man. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that lack of a third guard really hampered them this season. We saw the 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 wear and tear on a guy like Fred, who ultimately couldn't provide in the playoffs because of how banged up he was. And, and of course, you you think about well, if you had a backup for him, maybe you could cut down his minutes, limit his his workload in, in a sense. Obviously, Gary has some limitations there too. Like, can you get another guy to help him out with that? And so that third guard, absolutely, Daniel, I think you, we need to, to to see more talent brought to the Raptors. But at the same time, I think for Fred, all he's also trying to say is that, like, we're not going to rebuild. Like, we're not going to be in that Tampa yeah. phase ever again, really, uh, with this specific team. We have a lot of great pieces. And quite frankly, it's on the young guys to continue to improve, just like it's on the veterans to improve. One of the reasons why Fred and Pascal became the leaders that they are today of this team is because they have been those young guys before and that they have put in the work and, and, and achieved great things in their career so far. So you need to see that same kind of level of improvement from, from uh, Scotty and Precious. When we said the season was house money, that's kind of what we meant. Like, it was house money in terms of expectations. Like, no, one's, no one's feelings are hurt by losing the series. I think in any case, I think everyone's 
just like the fans did at the end of the game yesterday, giving them a you know a standing ovation for the season, despite the fact that the Raptors were blown out in pretty emphatic fashion at the end. But, you know, just like being able to show that appreciation. However, now that you have this expectation of winning, then you don't really come through with the excuses of, oh, he didn't really make this play here because he was young, or, oh, you know, he, he's only started playing basketball five years ago, or this and that. Like, no, people are starting to expect results now, and I think this offseason is going to be so key for guys like Precious, guys like Scotty, um, to to really continue to build on their games but also become very, very reliable to the point where when you come time for the playoffs, you know, Precious has some good moments. It's got to be Precious has a good series. And the same yeah. thing for Scotty. So. Yeah. And it can, be, it can be as simple, I mean, not as simple as, but, like, you know, if you hit on, on the second-round pick, which, which they sometimes do, like, I feel, like, for example, like, if they had Desmond Bain instead of Malachi, I know they have a great draft record, but, like, that one piece I think would have oh. really – you know, elevated the the floor and ceiling of this group. Like, you know, Herb Jones was taking 10 picks before Delano. Like if he is, you know, if you have a Herb Jones, like it doesn't take that much. It's one, one piece and you have an already solid core. I think you can really improve. Yeah. Okay. Lastly, for the two of you, so 48 win season, fifth seed, you know, they did fall behind three in this series, but ultimately a very competitive six-game first-round series against the Sixers. Like, uh, how would you guys grade the season overall, like, if you were to give out a letter grade? Uh, Daniel, I'll start with you. I'd say B+. B plus. Uh, this, this series, I think, was a little disappointing. Um, and I think there were some downs. I mean, I, I like to focus on the, the ups during the season, but there, there are some stretches of, like, pretty bad basketball. Uh, we had, had some injuries. All things considered, though, like we, we've talked about the future and I, the, the game one, do you guys remember opening night? How bad that was? Like, well, I actually went because I do this for a living, like look up people's old tweets. I went and looked at your tweets from from opening night and it was like, like LMAO, what are they doing? And another tweet, how many fast breaks can they mess up? And another one is not even sure what they're trying to do. You have Svi trying to drive and throwing wild jump passes, getting picked off on inbound passes, over helping on defense. Like it was a complete mess. I remember thinking, oh my God, like, I'm going to enjoy watching Scotty's development, but this is going to be such a slog to yeah. watch this year. I, my, my, my mind was going back to like, you know, 20, whatever. Like <laughs> You can pick 10 years, 15 years in Raptors history where it was terrible, uh-huh. but it, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. There were so many positives. And so, yeah, my, my, I can't give him an A, but I think it was, it was very largely positive. No, I respect that. I respect that because I was also going to go with a B plus. I mean, to be fair, honestly, it's a B plus, but like with the the bell curve, they're going to probably get curved to a like an A minus, maybe even an A. Just give just, it a damn grade. No, just because of the circumstances, <laughs> like you know, like I, you know, like it, it's it was a hard course. This was not an okay. easy course. It was on a That's lot fair. of teams this season who got That's A pluses. Fair. That's fair, right? Like outside of the Phoenix Suns, I guess the Boston Celtics. Like who who's getting A pluses this season, right? So, um. For the Raptors, they 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 overcame a lot of adversity. I think them finding an identity and really getting into their stride was really cool. I think the thing for the Raptors this season, we saw it both in stretches of the season where they would go on these like short little losing streaks, like three or four games, or you know they would go on these like three or four minutes in a game without scoring. Like I think that's where the Raptors had to improve. It's like they have the talent to compete and and play a really competitive game, and their record against plus five hundred teams this season is very very good. But it's like how can you make sure that your lows aren't that low and that you can sort of sustain them? Because realistically, you're always going to go through cold stretches. You're always going to face injuries in a season. Um, you know, you're not always going to have all your guys playing at their best or even playing at all. But 
can you make up for that gap and stay steady so that you stay within range? And for, you know, like last night was a perfect example of that. The Raptors kind of like let go of the rope a little bit and all of a sudden the game was over. Like, can you, instead of giving up a 20-point run, give up a 10-point run because then you can still compete. And I think that's both big picture and small picture. Yeah, no, I agree with the both of you guys. I think B-plus is, is the correct call. And I think the frustration in this season was, you know, we, we just saw so recently um, you know, the highest level of, of Raptors basketball, um, you know, in terms of the 2019 championship season and the 2020 season. And the frustration with, with this team this year was was knowing that, you know, that was where they were trying to get to. And, and in getting there, like you go through a lot of these bumps where you can look great on a five-game road trip and then lose back-to-back games at home to Detroit and Orlando before that. Um, and so I think it, kind of those in-betweens was, was really frustrating and we saw it play out in this series uh, as well, like like Daniel mentioned. You know, like there, I, I don't know if we're going back and doing a lot of what ifs in this series, but there are a lot of clear what ifs, right? And, and I think that's just always going to be the case with uh, a young and developing team. Um, but Daniel, always appreciate you uh, uh, joining us and appreciate your Raptors insight. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, man. Love coming on. Thanks for having me. Awesome. All, All right. right. It's time for our last break of this week and also of this show. Uh, I'm your host, Willu. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. When we come back, we will have Sportsnet's Alvin Williams, the real rookie of the year. Great daily gambling advice from J.D., Blake, and Alish in the Fan Morning Show's Wake and Rake. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Will Lou, and I continue to be joined by uh, producer and co-host Alex Wong. We are joined, finally, on the last segment, to wrap up the season by Sportsnet's Alvin Williams. Alvin, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm not going to lie. We're a little down. You know, the season's over, but, uh, you know, ultimately, we're kind of reflecting back on it a little bit, and uh, it was a really great year. It was a really, really great year, and I think, you know, the three of us, we're really happy and really proud that we were able to cover it to this extent, you know? Yeah, I'm with you, man. It was it was an exciting year on many fronts for me. Me getting an opportunity for the first time, you know, broadcasting, doing color, and watching this team develop over the over the year, man. It was it an was exciting year and a promising and a, and a hopeful year for me. Yeah, and, you know, we were doing a lot of shout-outs earlier, Alvin, and honestly, shout-outs to you, man. You know, I, I know... You know, you've obviously done analysts before, you know, but like, you know, being in this different role on the broadcast, I uh, feel like you brought a lot of spice uh, to a lot of the games, you know, especially uh, here in these playoffs, you know, in game five, I really enjoyed when you said you were going to go uh, change Matisse Tybel's uh, license plates for him uh, in the parking lot because he wasn't going to be able to drive out of there. He might still need to, man. I'm just saying, he, he's about to go from playing half the games to all the games. Now. Yeah, and, and when the Philly fans were leaving early, you're like, that's why That's why I'm a Toronto man, you know? Uh, so, um, no, like, shouts to you, Alvin. Like, like, what, what, what are your main takeaways from, from being in this new role this season? Oh, man, it's, it's, it's learning. First of all, thank you, but it was, it's a lot. You know, I had to overcome nerves. I had to overcome, you know, the, the, the feeling of really not not belonging there at times. But it was one of those things where I haven't, since I played, I haven't had something that I got excited for and nervous for and anxious mm. before. It was like a feeling before a game. 
So it, it was really cool to have that feeling again. It was really cool to work with Matt Devlin, and he helped me out tremendously and so many other people. So, like I said, it was a great and, – and most importantly, it was being back in Toronto, and I'm not just saying that just, you know, to blow smoke. I really, really, truly enjoyed being in Toronto, being a part of that crowd, being a part of that 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 um that community. And, and the whole organization. So I, I've had a great time, and, and I'm looking forward to the next few years in that role. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing I wanted to ask, too, because we came in here and, you know, we were talking about, you know, how, you know, whenever a Raptors season ends, it's, it's a bit of a downer. And, like, you've obviously been in those high-stakes environments of being in a playoff series. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, you know the, the one that I think about is the 2001, you know, Raptors-Sixers series that went to seven games. Like, what's it like for a player, you know, after that buzzer sounds, the season's over, you're obviously disappointed. Like, how long does it take? Like, how long did it take for you to just kind of decompress and just not think about basketball? Man, I, never. I don't mm. I don't think that ever happened. Mm. You know, once, once we lost that game, and and for me, individ- personally, I, I was, you know, being getting a chance to play against the Sixers, playing against the AI, and, you know, playing in front of your family and not really getting many minutes the year before. It was something I, I didn't want that to end. And I just remember coming back home, walking through the malls, and fans were heckling and, you know, Philadelphia fans being Philadelphia fans. And it was just – so I never really got over that. And now the times that the Raptors are still playing the Sixers, I always go back to that moment. But I was so happy, you know, in 2019 when the Raptors beat the Sixers. So, you know, you never get over it, I don't think. I mean, at least I didn't because that was an opportunity of a lifetime for me. And I never got a chance like that again in my career. So, um, I guess I don't think you ever get over it, but that's part of it. That's true. And and it's funny because my, my original question was, uh, how quickly do some players go on vacation when the season's done? Like, you know, like let's say, you know, you're on the team – Obviously, the Raptors losing last night, getting eliminated in Game Six. You come in Friday, you do the locker cleanout, you do the the media. Like, are, are there players who are on the flight that night or that day? It's actually the day after because I was wondering about it. I was like, it's it's so hard to like be so in it for so long and commit so much time and physical energy to this, and then some people just like have that ability to sort of flip that switch. In your career, did you kind of encounter like, and the season people just like kind of like make plans and just get out of there? Um, well, if you're winning, no, nah, nah, I, I guess it's a different look. I mean, I, I've been on teams where you start looking at that calendar when you're losing and you know you're not going to make the playoffs, like the next thing smoking. You can't wait till that, that season ends. Mm. But I think when you're in that situation, I think everyone's different. You know, when you when you have to decompress or you have to find a way to, to, to make yourself feel better or whatever it is, if it's a vacation, if it's going home to your family, if it's just sitting back in the city for a little bit and just, walking around and just get some time off because it is a grind. And it's one of those things where when you do lose, you, you, you get a chance to heal up a little bit. You get a chance to just to relax and breathe. So it depends what the individual is. Like I said, for me, I never really had that. I was always, it was always the mode where you had to be ready for the next year. And I think I paid the price because I didn't take much time off and let my body heal up. Cause I always felt like I had to prove something the next year and be ready for a draft pick or a trade or a free agent, whatever the case may be. So I never really got a chance to really, truly relax. I did go on vacation, but mentally I was still there trying to figure out if I was going to have a spot the next year. Yeah, and what is it about, uh, I wanted to ask you about this, Alvin, in terms of vacations, because like people always joke when, when you know teams are done, 
you know, it's one, two, three, Cancun, or, you know, see you in Cancun. And, like, we saw, like, LeBron's actually in Cancun right now. Um, is there, like, just one resort in Cancun where all these NBA players go to? <laughs> like, is that the go-to, like, vacation spot for you guys? You, you know what's crazy? I'm So Cancun, when I was playing, it was very popular, like, the Memorial Day weekend. Like, it was like a Memorial Day weekend where people would go, like, to either Miami or Cancun. And Cancun became a really, really popular place for NBA players. Like, they would go there. And the Memorial Day weekend, that's like the, the end of May. And I think that's where it comes from. And I look at the guys like Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley. That was around that time, you know, around that time in the early 2000s, late 1990s, where Cancun was the place to be during that Memorial Day and during that vacation. So I'm sure it just became popular. And that that's always stayed with it because Cancun is the place you say like one, two, three Cancun. So that's that's the history behind my understanding of Cancun. But I don't think it's one resort. I think it's expanded a little bit more since, since those days. Well, Alex is going to Cancun. <laughs> yeah, actually, I actually booked a vacation to Cancun yeah, for Alex July, really which said is hilarious. One, two, three, Cancun. As I'm, a media I'm, expect, member. I'm expecting to one. run into uh, you know the entire Raptors roster there. That's that's my hope. <laughs> you might run into a few NBA players, Cancun, Bahamas. You know, and you have some players, some players that go to some exclusive places that you don't. Of course, yeah. you may not expect them, but yeah, Cancun and Bahamas. Yeah, you'll, you'll run into some NBA players for sure. All right, well, uh, back to, you know, the basketball side of it. And, and you know, I was – look, we've been thinking so much about the Sixers over the course of the series because obviously the Raptors just played them. And I'm curious too because, you know, obviously they're advancing forward into the next round. Like, is there something you saw from Philly this year, especially in this series, that made you think, wow, maybe they can reach that, like, you know, let's – let's obviously narratives flip game to game. But we do see that at their peak, they can be a really, really good club uh, offensively. Is there something you saw from the Sixers that made you think – they can get past the Heat, or even if they get past whoever comes out between the Bucks and the Celtics, and maybe even go to the finals with this team. I mean, I, it's, they're, they're one of the teams where it's still hopeful. You 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 want to you want to see the old James Harden, and and I won't say the old James Harden, but you say the Houston James Harden. You want to yeah. see Joel Embiid coming in all the time, and if those things come together, like the Sixers planned when they made that that trade then they could be dangerous. I believe Joel Embiid is a much different player than he, we've seen in the past. I think he's he's hungry. I feel like he he, un, he has an understanding of what it's going to take. He, he's, he faced a gang of defenses this series and still came out on top. So he he's, he's the guy that can lead the charge. Now, emotionally, can he do it? And psychologically, can he do it as a leader? That remains to be seen. But for his game, he definitely can – can really take the bulk of that offense. And then James Harden, I guess if he if he can get back and play consistent basketball um, where where he's a force with that basketball, trying to score and having that balance, and then the others. Maxie did a great job. Tobias Harris did a very good job at times. So they do have the pieces that can, that can cause a threat. It's just about the makeup. And more importantly, I think it comes down to the other teams. I'm not quite sure if anybody's separating themselves other than the Boston Celtics. And that's from a defensive side. Defensively, they are off the charts right yeah. now. They're playing with physicality. They're playing with intention. They're playing with a true game plan. And they have, they have, they have two stars that can really step up on the offensive side. So Boston looks really good. But I'm also interested in Miami and Milwaukee. So I just don't know. But Philadelphia is one of those teams that's intriguing as well because they do have some pieces that, that have the ability to take over games. Yeah, no doubt. And as much as it pains me to say this, like I think the Celtics are 
like a model in which you do want to build towards. Like there's a lot of things that they're doing well on that front in that organization that I think the Raptors can try to look to replicate. And I think especially with the the type of athletes the Raptors have, I think, you, you know, you can see the similarities in how they want to guard sometimes. But the difference with the Celtics is like they're so consistent. They're always there. They're nailing every switch. They're not... You know, they're helping when they need to help. They're not overhelping when they don't need to overhelp. And I think those are things for the Raptors. Mm-hmm. As they continue to improve, like, that's something that, you know, um, not even a model, but something of a guiding light, really, to try to go towards. I, I think, you know, in, in thinking about Game 6 in particular, too, um, you know, within the context of a guy like Pascal Siakam, we saw the Sixers go to a zone in the first half, I think in large part to try to stop Pascal from getting downhill as, as easy as he was. And then I think in the second half, it was really interesting in that third quarter when the Sixers went ahead, like they were trapping him almost a half court. And, and that's the kind of respect that, that is, correct me if I'm wrong, like the, isn't that the kind of like the ultimate respect you give to a guy who, you know what, you're just saying anyone else beat us, but we're not letting you beat us. And we'll trap you come off a of half court. Not even like you think you're going to, we think you're going to shoot from there. We just want to make sure that you don't have the ball. Isn't that the ultimate sign of respect from a defense towards an offensive player? like Pascal, who has done really well in the last couple of games. No, no, for sure. When you get double team, that that's that's the other team saying that, you know, our, our best chance of beating you is to eliminate you. Yeah. And that's because you have game. That's, that's because you, you, you've made an impact that the other team is very just frightened of. So Pascal did his job. When, you, when you're drawing double teams and you're drawing that much attention – he right there has done his job, and that's going to free up everyone else. So everyone else, when you go into this offseason and you start thinking about how you were played individually or how you were played as a team, you start to try to work on your game so you know you can bring something else to that team if they would ever try to double team again. Now, when you're the opposite, you feel a little slighted, like, damn, I guess they don't even worry about me. But, you know, that, that's the respect that Pascal is developing. And now Pascal has to go and say, how can I negate these double teams? How can I accept double teams and make sure everyone else is empowered? And then I think that comes with also the players. And then always, again, the coaches, you know, you sit in that, you sit in that room and, and you figure out how you can use that and manipulate that defense and make it to your benefit. Because once again, if, someone, if somebody's double teaming, somebody else is open. So it's the ultimate sign of respect for Pascal Siakam. So now it's about making those adjustments. Right, and and I'm curious too because I wasn't following the Raptors that you know uh, that closely during you know the the playoff runs that you guys made, um, you know with Vince and stuff like that. Did that same process happen with a guy like Vince? Hell yeah! Oh my god! Like you know, it, you know it, it was funny. It was when Vince first came into the league and he started taking off, you know, and his athletic ability was on display every night. And you know, it was times when Vince would get past one person and everyone would get out the way because they didn't want to be on the highlight. And we weren't that good. But when we start getting better, you know, teams start, when Vince would get past one other one person, another person would step up. And then he would be faced with a wall, so they would try to keep him out of the lane. And then once he started developing that jump shot so well, they start double-teaming him earlier, getting mm-hmm. the ball out of his hands. And then it would put more pressure on people like myself, Oakley, JYD, Antonio, to try to perform. So... Vince had that respect for sure, but Vince was so talented that he could, he was a good passer, very underrated passer, and he can get the ball from different areas. He could post up, he can get it in the mid post, he can get it in transition, he can get it to the perimeter. 
So it was difficult to really pick and choose when you were going to trap them. But the better we became, the more they tried to negate Vince and what he was trying to do. And Vince was another guy as well. Certain plays were just like this heart in the other team, whether it was a fadeaway three-pointer or and would cause teams to call time call, call timeouts way earlier than we wanted to because he was an impact player that could change the momentum and get the crowd in the game as well, home or away. Vince was that guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, that's that's great to hear because I think it's good perspective for, you know, the, the emerging players on the Raptors, you know, like a Pascal who probably, you know, would have to play a role like that. And I think there's a, you know, it, these are experiences that he's got to go through. And I think probably for you guys, like, you know, when you see it in the playoffs, when you when you play a team five, seven times in a row and all they're thinking about for two weeks straight in practice is how to stop you, like, there's got to be such an invaluable, like, learning experience that comes out of that, right? Yeah, I mean, it is. It is. But, you know, today's game is so different, right? It's, it, you know, the offense empowers everyone. Everyone has the ability to shoot shots. Everyone has the ability like to, to make their own plays. Where back in the day, it was pretty much the best player had the basketball and they made plays for everyone else. Mm. Whether it was AI, Kobe, Shaq, Vince, Kevin, like it was all these guys and everyone else had to wait around. Now you see the ball move around, you see people move, you see a lot of dribble handoffs, you see a lot of people in all of the action instead of just one or two people. So it's harder for a defense to really lock in on one person because everyone else has that ability. But it's a learning experience when, you, when, when you're playing with somebody like a Vince or a Pascal Siakam, how you can get your offense together, how you can get your game involved as well and, and just continue to grow. The game is totally different. It's a much more fun game for everyone, but it's definitely a learning experience when you are playing with a Pascal and somebody like that. And it's a learning experience for everyone because Pascal, once again, he has to continue to grow to negate those type of defenses when they try to lock in on you. Yeah, no, that's 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 great perspective, and I think you know for the other guys, you know, like a Scotty yesterday who took twenty shots, but a lot of that was by design. The Sixers were kind of forcing him to have the ball. Joel was kind of sagging off of him and and daring him to shoot and all that stuff. And and same thing with Precious, you know, um, for those guys, like you gotta like take a game like that in game six, you know, and, and try to, you know, improve in ways which, you know, if that happens to you again, you, they can burn them. And I think really when you think back on this, on the weakness of this roster, if there was one thing, um, to me it seemed like three-point shooting was the one piece that the Raptors just needed a little bit more of. I understand Fred was hurt, which harps you a lot for the three-point shooting, but is that your impression too that one of the reasons why the Raptors couldn't really come through was just the lack of three-point shooting? I mean, that's always the key. I mean, that's part of the game, especially today, the three-point shooter spacing the floor. When you when you have that, it's harder to double-team. It's harder to pack it in. So, you know, every every team would want more three-point shooting. But, you know, I think, I think you know, it, it, to say the one thing that's disappointing, what I, I really believe this team overachieved when you, when you think about where they, where they started and the expectations. Um, it was a lot of uncertainty. And for Nick Nurse to figure out how he can use this roster, you know, it went for the small lineup to to like a more a larger lineup. And then, you know, the minutes weren't distributed evenly. It was five guys, six guys playing a bulk of the minutes. And that really took the team to a different direction when you had your best players on the floor. So the team went in a lot of different directions. You, you could tell they were trying to figure out the best way to go about getting the most production and do the injury and do the COVID protocol. So, 
I think this team actually, man, along with, to your point, everyone needs more three-point shooting. But I think what this team has developed, it's seen you have guys that can make plays. I, I like I like what a Chris Boucher brings to the table. When you have someone like that coming off the bench mm-hmm. and can provide that spark, and then you have a Gary Trent Jr. who's developing, and Scotty who's doing his thing, and Pascal and OG. I think everyone, to me, this is one of the few years I've seen everyone on the team who got an opportunity to play improve throughout the year. Pressure's at true, unbelievably, what he's done, right, from his decision-making to his confidence. So, I, I mean, I just take my hat off to this entire team. Everyone who got in the game got a chance to play and show and show what they can do, and I think that's a bright future. Yeah, awesome. Uh, listen, Alvin, really appreciate you making time throughout the season for us um, and hope you get some time off as well here in the off season. And uh, always appreciate your insight. And um, I'll see you in Cancun soon. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate you, Alvin. Have a wonderful weekend. Take care. Alvin Williams. Honestly, man, like I, I know that it's it's not just us gassing a former or like a fellow employee or ga- us gassing a, a former Raptor legend. It's like it was really cool seeing like uh, he, he just even hearing Alvin uh, speak to you know the challenges of like broadcasting and getting put in a new role and sort of the expectation and sort of feeling like nerves. Mm-hmm. You know, first off, like as anyone will tell you, like when you you know you're doing something great when you feel really nervous right before that challenge, right? I think that's. Mm-hmm. That's that's you growing and that's you sensing that you have all these expectations and and for him to meet those this year was really cool and and honestly like I'm not gonna relate to Alvin you know obviously as a former NBA player and all that stuff like but I can relate to him on in that experience uh, as a new newer broadcaster and sort of having to improve and, and coming from like a quote unquote untraditional skill set you know not going through the media schools and programs and all that stuff and mm-hmm. you know honestly i i guess i ran out of time to say this to alvin but just like you know show your personality the more and more it comes through i think everyone loves seeing that side you know the off the cuff comments was awesome to hear the personality and i know for alvin he sounds to me and meeting him a few times it's just like you know, still a little bit reserved but i think mm-hmm. the more that he's lets that out i think he is he's shown um you know such an invaluable like perspective on the game and mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really cool, man. I think this is a great hire. Whoever hired him at Sportsnet, great hire. <laughs> What's Seriously, going on? Though. What's going on, man? It's an HR meeting right now. Apparently. No, but yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, speaking of compliments, like Alvin got to work with one of the best, like got to work with Matt yeah. Devlin. And, nice. and I think, you know, it, it was interesting to hear him say, you know, at the start, he was wondering if he just belonged there, right? And I think yeah. it's, um, people always like to talk about like imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. like especially in this industry, like, you know, if you come in and whether you're, you know, writer doing a radio show or, or Alvin on the television broadcast, sometimes it can be very intimidating, right? Yeah. Because you do, you do question, you know, do I belong in here? Should I have this role? And it's, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, Matt has helped Alvin out so much behind the scenes because we can see the chemistry that the two of them have and, you know, wish it yeah. was a longer uh, playoff run, but you know, yeah, next year. It is what it is, but it was a great season. We'll still be, as we mentioned, doing shows. Uh, moving yeah, forward, go just, subscribe. Go subscribe to the Raptor Show. Seriously, go subscribe that's the to the Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe to the podcast. Yes. You know, if you can't listen to it from two to three p.m. live, you know, next week or the weeks going forward, like the podcast episodes will always be there. Usually, like right after three p.m. every day. Yeah, there you go. So, so, me and Alex will not be going anywhere. We will still be annoying you. Well, Alex probably will be going somewhere. Yeah, I'll see you three times next week. Yeah, but you'll still see me five times uh, a week. 
And uh, yeah, we'll be talking about the Raptors and of course the rest of the NBA at large as they head into playoffs. So that does it for us today. I'm your host, William Liu, and you've been listening to the Raptors show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Make sure you find the Raptors show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review. Thanks again to my producer and co-host, Alex Wong, to our guests, Daniel Dale and Alma Williams, to our board producer, Derek Brandale and Jennifer Rolnick for helping us behind the scenes with the YouTube stream. And we'll talk to you next week.